Alright, so I start off the same with everybody. Okay. I ask people, how did you get into coffee? Um, and um, just to let everybody know, I'm here with Norma Jean. Is Jean your last name or your middle name? Middle name. How do you pronounce your last name? Odegaard. Odegaard. Yeah. Um, of Boomtown Coffee. Uh, she's the GM for Boomtown, Maine, and uh, the newly opened Boomtown Understory. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, how did you get into coffee initially? Experience with coffee was just in the, in the home. My dad worked construction, and he would get up really early every morning and make multiple pots of coffee, and so it was, it was always around. Um, but my first job, uh, admittedly, was Starbucks. So this was 2004, 2005. Cool. Um, and I worked at Starbucks for a few years, and then uh, I worked at Tolly's Coffee for about six years. That was my longest uh, run, and that, that was right, second wave was still just the thing. Uh, you know, new third wave shops hadn't even started popping up yet. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of independents after that, different shops. Um, and then in five years ago, moved down to Houston here. Worked for a coffee catering company first. Um, I worked at Siphon Coffee, and I'm here at Boomtown. So. Was it Java Pura when you came to Houston? The coffee catering? No, it was. Uh, it was a company called Daystar, and they do all of the coffee catering for like convention centers and festivals. So, I was in charge of big festivals like um, South by Southwest. I did all the coffee service oh, for. That's um, a big project. Huh? Yeah, and OTC here in Houston. I did all the coffee service for the. That sounds familiar. What is that? Offshore Technology Conference. It's a big oil show. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, and it takes over NRG, and they drink a lot of coffee during that. <laughs> so. Cool. Yeah. Um, so in Seattle, you worked uh, ten years um, between yeah. Starbucks and Tolly's. So you're doing it for a while. What was it about coffee that made you want to do that? Well, you know, I think how many of us start in coffee, it's like it's a job. I was going to college, and I was like, yeah, I can, I can do this. Like I, uh, I went to class all morning, and then I was a closing barista. Uh, and I did that every day, um, working and going to school. And it wasn't really a career path at that time. I was admittedly just a barista that enjoyed what I did. I enjoyed uh, all of my guests and, and my crew that I worked with. But I think it really struck me as I was getting towards the end of school that I, did an, I, I had an accounting degree. That was what I was going for. And towards the end of it, I did an internship and was like, wow, I am just not cut out to be sitting behind a desk or being an accountant. And I have been investing and, and I've really poured my life into coffee. And uh, so then I started, <clears throat> excuse me, um, building towards like, you know, being a shift barista, an assistant manager uh, to general manager. And I really found like I could do what I love, use a little bit of my finance background, uh, and have all, it was the whole package, and it was just exciting. So. Yeah, so in Seattle, you were already, you had management experience before you came down to Houston. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I had managed, um, when I was at Tully's Coffee, uh, I'd started as a barista and worked to shift lead, assistant manager, general manager, and I was general manager of um, a coffee shop inside of Boeing. We had a the where, where they build the airplanes, yeah. Inside the Boeing factory, there was six coffee shops. 
Six. Yeah. How big is this place? Uh, it's the largest building on the planet by volume. It was 63 <sighs> NFL-sized football stadiums. It's a huge facility, and, and it's 24 hours. And so they had a bunch of coffee shops, oh. like full-size cafes. Uh, all Tully's? All Tully's, yeah, at this nice, time. Nice gig. It was really it was exciting. It was nonstop busy. Um, my coffee shop, it was, you know, it had a cafe with couches and it looked just like a normal coffee shop. Just, it was a, you know, a high security facility and you were serving just employees that worked there. Um, and that was my first real GM experience and I learned a lot, uh, had a blast. Um, and then I got promoted from general manager to head trainer for Tully's Coffee. So I was then in charge, I worked at the corporate office in uh, our corporate office was in Pike Place uh, Market in Seattle, and I was head trainer for all 60 locations. So it was it was a big, um, exciting transition from from managing to to training, and that just was probably the most fun I had had was being able to connect and train and teach everyone, um, roll out really fun, exciting programs, and yeah, it was good times. So that's super interesting. I did not realize. <laughs> I did not know you uh, did that. Um, I've never talked to someone who did training for that many shops, so yeah, I'm pretty intrigued. Um, <laughs> let me think of a really good question. Um, <coughs> so, so GM to training 60 shops, what was like the daily routine for yeah. that? Um, so they had uh, a really awesome uh, training program for all new hires. Uh, there was a, so at the corporate office, they had a little mock store they had built out. So it was everything that you would experience inside the cafe, just no guests would come in. So it had espresso machines, it had the drip brewers and grinders and fridges and register and even retail shelves. And so when every barista was hired, they would first have to go through um, 16 hours at this training room. So they, no matter what location in Seattle, they all went there. And I was the very first introductory um, uh, for not only HR, uh, but just like hands-on uh, skill-based training. Um, and so it was, uh, it was a way to ensure that when you have a bunch of locations that everyone had the same information starting out and then, um, you know, it could be uh, echoed back and then they would be fostered into a into a good store that already understood the knowledge because we all know if if you are a barista it's really hard if a new hire with say no experience or experience from a different shop comes in and then the burden of training ends up on the team especially a strong team member uh, GM you know there's a lot of things that uh, it can not only um, add extra pressure to a current established team. It also adds a lot of pressure to a new hire that can feel a little lost. Um, turnover rates uh, end up happening higher because of just being thrown into high volume shops and not feeling like you get a good start. So that was the whole premise of why they did that. It was a huge investment to have everyone come to a mock store yeah. and spend all that time. Uh, and I mean, it would be hands on too. We would dialing in, pulling shots, steaming milk, and, you know, everything. Um, and so that was, uh, that was my job, and I did that, um, it was, yeah, like, uh, 
Monday through Thursday. I would I would train up to you know twenty people a class. So in the two years that I did that, I trained over six hundred baristas. <laughs> so, wow. Uh, so it was um, it was a lot. I mean, I learned a lot as well, and the industry was changing a lot. The company was changing a lot, and you know, uh, unfortunately now I think it's pretty much. It doesn't exist anymore. Oh, really? But yeah. Uh, so. as, of, as of when, do you know? Uh, as of, like, the last year or two. So... They had some leadership change, I, I take it? Oh, big time, yeah. When I was in that role, um, the company was sold to a very high-profile uh, hotshot lawyer. You might have heard of him. I don't know if I should say his name. <laughs> Michael Evanetti. Okay. Uh, he he bought it and the company went a very different direction and it pretty much is not existing anymore. So did Starbucks um, take over all those accounts? No, I mean maybe I I don't know. I mean, I moved down here right like it, this all happened I guess yeah five years ago. My husband and I we it was right at that time we had our daughter and we wanted to, he's from here and so we wanted to be close to family and that's the re yeah. only reason I left that job. I, uh, I imagine Boeing was like, hey, we need coffee, Starbucks. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I have no idea what they're doing now. Um, so. Did Tully's use, like, these automatic machines, or was it... Um, well, yeah, they used, uh, at their really high-volume shops, they used the fully autos. And then at the other cafe shops, we used La Marzocco Lineas. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so every shop had a La Marzocco. Yeah. When, when you were doing that training... Was it pretty much you were at the corporate office, or did you also, was there time allotted for visiting the shops and, and kind of making sure it's, it's not a, you know, it's not yeah. a disaster? That was what my Fridays were spent doing was, yeah, so I did the training Monday through Thursday, and Fridays I would be out and touring shops and, you know, tasting and just being present yeah. so that it wasn't feeling like, oh, you... You went to a training and then never saw that person again. Follow so. up, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you feel like that that sixteen hours was pretty sufficient for for most people? It depends on the individual, just as any. This, as I've experienced in my years in coffee, there is um, it's a steep learning curve for anyone that can really get it and stay in this industry. And there's some folks that are just naturally inclined to be a barista, to be um, present with the guest and, and do the task. And then uh, there's some that just, it's, you know, not quite uh, what they thought it was or, or um, you know, how would I say? Sorry, I got, got distracted. No, no worries. So, um, so you have an extensive background in management and training. Uh, before you came to Houston, you said, so you did the catering, and then was Siphon like your first third wave coffee? Uh, yeah, you could say that. It was the first time that I was uh, like in a Houston shop in, in, you know, specialty. You know, the Siphon Brew Method is really awesome, and that crew was really fun. You know, it was, it was a blast over there, so. Um. With all that experience, as a as a you know, as a GM and training, did you find it pretty seamless when you uh, then went to site when you went to siphoning, or was there any uh, kind of any surprise uh, challenges there? 
Oh, no, I think, like, for me, it felt just like every, it had just fallen into place. Like, um, when, uh, when I was at Tolly's or even in any of, um, uh, you know, at the, the coffee catering, um, I've been an active SCA member for years. And so I was already really privy to the industry was changing. Just witnessing the change was really exciting, too. Um, I was very excited to jump on board. It was things that I had known in theory, and then to be able to apply it in practice was really exciting. Cool. So. What, um, what are some of the challenges day to day of being a GM? What are the, some of the things that people who are maybe just they're focused on just being a barista, yeah. or maybe they just roast the coffee. Um, what are some of the, the challenges of that role? Well, um, for being in any leadership role, um, a lot of what we do on a day-to-day -day is people management, and not even people management, but just fostering a, a, an environment of encouragement for our team and creating that to elevate the guest experience. I think that a lot of baristas, um, and I myself included when I was a little baby barista, um, you feel that if you can make great coffee, that that's all a shop needs to be successful. But in fact, there's so much of what GMs do behind the scenes to keep a place functioning. Um, and a lot of it isn't, you know, um, you don't get to hop on bar as much anymore, but you get to uh, offer the opportunity for your baristas to be there front and center, to practice their craft, to hone in on their skills and connect with your guests. And so we all, as GMs, if, you know, when you're climbing up in those ranks, uh, it's fun to see the next generation come up and, um, and a lot of what I've seen really amazing GMs do in this industry is provide that for the next generation and whatever this next wave of coffee is going to be. But people management and just creating that safe space, that dream team, having open channels of communication is really important. Always being approachable. So, and then, you know, the, the finance keeping you know, the shelf stocked and yeah. stuff. Yeah, how, how do you do that? So, I, I, I've never been in a management position of anything. How do you keep track of how much coffee you need, how much oat milk you yeah. need? How does that work? Well, it's a definitely, um, I think to distill it down to the simplest terms, as I always think of it, uh, these three P's is people, product, place, and you just start there. If your people are happy and a schedule's built, you know, you can cover that base. Your product is just watching par levels. If you run out, make a mental note of how much you run out. Check sales if you got really good data to look at. Um, and then uh, try not to like over order too is, is always a challenge. But I think it's, it's a lot of uh, just navigating those waters. Um, and then the other one place, just making sure that the shop is always inviting for guests, clean, step away from behind the bar and look at it from the guest perspective. And if you just kind of, just to distill it down to those three, um, I feel like that's what 
kind of keeps it all together. So, um, conflict management. Yeah. I'm imagine, I've imagine, I imagine <laughs> you've seen and had to handle that yeah. on occasion. Um, do you have a, a go-to method um, or, or anything that uh, you kind of use to, to help with those situations? Yeah, so, um, well, there's a few different types of, I guess, of conflict management, you know. Um, one is <coughs> if, the, um, if it's on the guest side of having our baristas always just be present and be, um, I would say, aware that we never want to escalate situations. So if there's ever complaints or um, guests get really irate, I'm like, just pass it up to me. That's always the, the manager's job. Mm -hmm. I never want people to, I never want my team to feel that they have to handle conflict. Because when they're not in that, you know, they shouldn't be responsible in that position. <clears throat> Excuse me. And two, um, I feel that managers are oftentimes, uh, they've experienced it. They've probably understood how to um, take that guest experience and make it a positive one. So from the, the guest barista side, I always encourage them to, to pass it up the chain. Um, and then for interpersonal conflict, because that happens a lot. You have people that just don't gel well together and you know, you're know you like, oh, I can't have them on a shift together and all that. And I think part of it is just open communication. And sometimes real talk, you know, you just have to figure out what is the hang up. And um, you know, it might, be, it might be sit downs and like, I need to understand someone's perspective. Is there outside? things that are just, this isn't like, hey, this isn't your normal, you know, way that you react to this. Are you okay? Like, is there something going on externally that's, you know, adding a lot of pressure to you? And sometimes just that open dialogue can really just clear the air and, and immediately, you know, resolutions can be made. Other times it's, it's a lot more complicated and, you know, I might have to look into some uh, HR kind of TWC legal stuff, I'm like, you know, sometimes it goes beyond interpersonal communications or, or, or stuff that might be legally like an issue. And so, and then you just, you know, look for those resources. Yeah. So, so pulling them to the side and kind of having a one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Yeah. Open, com open, honest conversation and acknowledging each other, you know, listening, active listening and just acknowledging what you've heard. Um, I have, I've been the barista that had a manager that was like that, and it made the team very strong, and it was, it was a great environment. And I've also had a manager that was not like that, and it becomes a toxic workplace. So I mean, just being approachable and open and being able to talk is, is huge. So, yeah. yeah. Um, when you, if you see a barista working bar and maybe they're maybe slacking on cleaning or you see them kind of not doing things the way they were trained, um, how do you handle that? Well, if anybody who's worked with me or for me, uh, they know I'm an in the moment coacher, um, but only in the sense of, you know, uh, we, we sometimes we need friendly reminders. We get, I know how when a rush is done and 
it's just you're kind of spinning and you're like, okay, where, where do I even start? It's sometimes it's just like, you know, rechase, reset. Um, and so, yeah, just friendly reminders. I'm an in the moment. And at the end of the day, and uh, I, again, I have another silly acronym. It's just, it's Q-tip. It's quit taking it personally. Like I, I don't see, <laughs> if I see someone I like not, <laughs> if I see someone kind of like lean in when they should be cleaning, uh, I just am like, it's not personal. They just need a little, you know, friendly reminder. And um, anybody who's worked for me can can know that whenever I say these things in service, like it's never uh, an attack. It's always just like a we have a mission. If we're all on the floor, like we we have a goal together. And mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so like that's yeah. You know, you just gotta. Sometimes you know we all need reminders. Uh, sometimes so. Yeah, <laughs> I get that sense very much from you that you, nothing it w- would ever be mean spirited. Uh, you seem very uh, approachable, um, so that's cool. Uh, let's see. So you're with Boomtown. Yeah. You, st- you started man- uh, uh, as the GM for Boomtown, Maine. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one question I have specifically with that location. Um, so you're downtown. Downtown brings <laughs> its own challenges. Yes, um, it does. What are some of those challenges, and how do you handle those? Uh, well, just as any, you know, metropolitan area, especially in downtown, um, our biggest, uh, challenge is mostly just the people experiencing homelessness in our area. I would say that's probably the most stressful thing about the job, um, is we just have to be a little bit more, uh, protective of each other and constantly aware of our surroundings there. Um. Other than that, parking. <laughs> that's like yeah. I'm like if anything downtown that's like as stressful as that. It's it's just the parking. But Do I you all have a parking arrangement for Boomtown Maine. You know, actually, a number of the staff ride bikes or take the train in. Um, so it works out pretty well. Um, we split our cash tips uh, per shift. So usually, um, the tips. You know, if 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 we get a enough, it like covers the parking for the day, and then and then the credit card tips get split on our checks. So, um, so I would say, yeah, like a large majority of people bike and, and that is one of the things when I'm interviewing folks for the downtown location, parking always comes up. And, um, that is one thing that I like right out the gate. I'm like, this is just to be real with you. This is one of the, the things about working here. You know, if it's, if it doesn't sound like it's a good fit, you know, we do have, you know, Boomtown Heights, um, it's free parking over in the Heights. So, uh, for people that drive. And so I think that's one of the, I think, uh, challenging things, but it's also really awesome that we have multiple locations and if it's not a fit here, it might be a fit there or, you know, yeah. Are you the GM for the Heights? No, we have, um, no, her name's Andrea. She, uh, she comes from a background of hospitality and hotel, um, management and she's just amazing like the positivity and her smile is infectious and so (laughs) and um yeah so she's managing heights uh i'm managing down here uh in downtown and with like also um steven garcia he's still he's with us he um he was the gm before i came on board um and he was just going through some transition and change in, in his life and his music and, and family. And so it, Steve and I actually go way back and, uh, we worked together at Starbucks uh, okay. <laughs> a long time ago and, and we've been working together and it's, it's been awesome. So it was amazing for the team because it, 
as any time a GM comes in, it can kind of rock the boat, but it was seamless like from day one. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so you're so you just y'all just started Understory a week ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I imagine you were involved in some of the build out uh, process, um, like just kind of involved in uh, the the whole the whole process. Yeah. Uh, what's that like? building a new cafe space? Well, it was, uh, one, it's always a challenge. Construction mm. is always a challenge. Um, but it was actually a real team effort. Um, Andrew, one of our owners, he comes from like an architecture background. So he had, the design was, was awesome and he had uh, that all figured out. Uh, Dean, our roaster, helped source all the equipment. He helped pick out all of our, our fun new, uh, new gear out there. Yeah, so um, some, some different stuff. Oh, I know. It's, <laughs> yeah, it was exciting. Uh, so, yeah, Dean picked out the gear. You know, I, I'm more of just coordinating the operations part. And so together we all, like, it was definitely a team uh, effort. And the crew here is amazing. Our crew in general has been badass. And so out the gate, I mean, I feel like our soft opening, we didn't even really announce that we were going to be open. We're like, hey, let's just open the doors. And... And get it rolling, and man, we've been crushing it. Like yeah, I see uh, <laughs> so. a line already. Uh, I already recognized some faces from last time I came. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, cool. we got regulars already, and I mean, it was. We knew it would be busy. I, I'm just so excited we're this busy early on because I know that with incremental growth we're gonna get. And as the other places finish, uh, I think there's the Ninfas, Street yeah. Taco, and there's a couple other empty things. Mm -hmm. the, yeah, the there's going to be, poke, right? yeah, Seaside Poke is going to open. We got flipping Patties right there. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's going to be, once everyone's open, I'm excited to see what's, yeah. yeah. Are you expecting it to kind of be like Boomtown, Maine in terms of volume? Um, well, Boomtown, Maine has food, the food and the, um, the bar program. Oh, okay. So I feel like it pulls a different crowd for sure. You know, uh, the brunch crowd, um, more, you know, lunch and meetings. Um, but I mean, I feel like it's going to be like our Heights location in terms of coffee volume. It's just, we're going to be turning tickets constantly. Yeah. So on average, like how many, how many cups of coffee a day do you think, uh, y'all, y'all, uh, are looking to sell here on just like Monday through Friday. Oh, I mean, we're selling more than 250 a day now. And so I And y'all just opened. And we just opened. So like I'm I'm excited to see where we go. Nice. So. That's pretty good just a weekend <laughs> a couple days into it. Yeah. So. Nice. Um Oh. I think I know the answer to one of these. Okay. Um what are two coffee companies that you admire and kind of maybe take some inspiration from <laughs> i think we're laughing because we both i think now uh well yeah cat and cloud for sure what about them i love cat and cloud mostly for they have a similar story of you know starting as baristas um i can really relate and resonate with starting as barista and pouring your heart into something uh, getting really amped about the industry. I started a podcast too. I'm like, you know, it's all these things. I was like, yeah. And they, they really have a vision that I think, um, it's, it's kind of setting the compass for a lot of shops, I believe. 
good shops, about transparency, not only just in how your shop's performing and understanding finances. Um, actually, of Cat and Cloud, Chuck's probably my favorite. Cause he has a wealth <laughs> of like secret information back oh, there. He, I, I'm, I've <laughs> met the, I met those guys at Expo a few years, and and then one year Chuck and I had a really awesome conversation and like nice. about just understanding how your business, because again, ultimately, like we're a craft and we are um, full of artists and talented people, but at the end of the day, you are a business and. Um, it's kind of that cross between art and science and having yes. a good understanding of both. Um, so yeah, definitely. I, I love them. I, you know, uh, I really look up and model to them. Uh, I love Boomtown. I love being here. Like this is probably the funnest job I've ever had. Oh, <laughs> and, awesome. You know, I, I love our crew. I love downtown too. Like having, um, the excitement of a high volume cafe and with a bar program and craft cocktails and mm -hmm. a scratch, you know, everything in our kitchens made from scratch. Like it's really exciting. So, yeah. Um, is there another shop outside of, uh, Houston or outside of Texas that yeah. is kind of on your radar besides Cat and Cloud? Um, besides Cat and Cloud, I mean, there's some really cool shops that are doing exciting stuff. Like, uh, I like Woodcat out in LA they are a tiny I have little, to check them out yeah they're they're real like small little cafe but there's just something about that hominess of those uh, but I would say that um, one of my staples that'll always be close to my heart is Vivace Espresso in Seattle okay yes so. nice yeah I've heard a lot of the coffee OGs yeah. uh, talk about that spot I mean, David Schomer is the, like, the godfather of coffee. He he had worked for Boeing and then uh, went into the coffee industry. Oh. He helped develop the PID controls for the La Marzocco, so the proportional integral derivative. I remember reading about yeah, that. Yeah, they keep our, that's like what really propelled us to have consistent shots of espresso. He, he was an inspiration. I think that's what really, like, uh, learning about Vivace, and what they do, and that the fact that they've stayed so true to their original, you go in there and the coffee tastes like it does, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. They've been around for 30 years. Um, wow. And they've stayed true to it regardless of trends. Yeah, that's cool. So, they have this timeless quality about them then. Yes. Yeah. Oh, if you're ever in Seattle and you go to Vivace, have it's have a Cafe Nico. It's What's the, that? It's a, it's a little macchiato, and they make it with brevet. And there's a secret syrup, I'm not going to tell you, but then they zest an orange over the top. And I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah I'm, as we were talking about earlier, I'm planning to go to Seattle next year for Expo, and Vivace yeah. is on the list. And then I'll be in L.A. And then next month for Coffee Fest, so yes. I'll add Woodcat yeah. uh, to the list. Um, you've made a career out of coffee. You've been doing this 15 years now. What advice, maybe one or two things, um, would you give to someone who is also looking to make a career out of this and maybe become a GM or a trainer? What advice would you share with people like that? Yeah, um, I would say uh, my biggest advice is hustle, for sure. Every, every shift you're on, um, come in with your A-game and I think that that's one you will you'll have that work ethic established. 
to get to that, you know, stamina to be a GM or a trainer or even a shop stamina. owner. I love that word. Yeah, because it's true. Like, I, um, you know, as the GM life is you, um, you have to be present for your employees and you have to be available to them. Um, and when you leave your shop for the day, your work might not be done. You, and even if it's just answering quick questions and stuff, but um, the days can be long. But, you know, they can be fun and having hustle to to get that stamina built up for sure. Um, and be ready to learn and adapt, I think, because stuff's always changing in this industry. So staying, uh, staying open minded and nobody's I feel strongly that like we all have uh, craft and skill and preference. And so every shop is doing something unique. And I, I love looking at it, there's no right or wrong. I just love that we all have different preferences. And it's beautiful, because then that's what creates an actual like coffee culture. If we all did the same thing, there'd be no culture, so. Yeah, that's true. That's one of the things I love about specialty coffee is the different tastes, the different vibes and energies of the different spaces. Yeah, so. That's cool. So hustle, know your stuff, uh, learn your numbers for sure. If you want to move into that GM, there's, there's a little bit of that you got to do. <laughs> um, and just, you know, yeah, I think um, be ready to have fun, too. You know, don't forget the fun. So. Yeah. I would add to that problem solving. I've seen you today. <laughs> um, not that any, we haven't encountered any, any problems, but just finding an ideal location that's quiet. Yeah. You had two suggestions that I think as a GM and doing it for so long, your mindset is, this is an obstacle, maybe, how can we get around it? Yeah. And I would, I would say that um, anyone who wants to do what you do, what you do, or be in a leadership role, your mindset has to be, this, here's something blocking me, what can we do to get around it? Mm -hmm. And that's probably the difference also between owners and everybody underneath. Yeah, I think, you know, that, that is, to, that, to your point there, that is one of the challenges, uh, Owners face obstacles that baristas don't see in the day to day, um, or they they might you know they'll ask a why and not hear the answer right away, or be able to see it from an owner's perspective because there's so much that goes into not only just opening a shop and running a shop, and then there's this is an expensive industry, it's a challenging industry, um, and so I think that. Uh, yeah, there's, I would say, like, be uh, be forgiving sometimes to your GM if they <laughs> they forget your availability or, like, you know, if they, they wrote a schedule that, you know, had you on a shift you didn't normally work. Like, I think just some, you know, we're all human, too. And so I think that um, to that point that you have to think of these obstacles and then be ready to hear, to hear feedback on them, too. Having empathy... For, yes, for the, yeah. the management or the owners, I think yeah. it was actually, a, I think Chris Deferio touched on that on one of his episodes a couple weeks back on Keys to the Shop was empathy for the owner, something along those lines, yeah. which I thought was brilliant because we usually, we don't think about that perspective or, yeah. or, or the GMs, what the things that they're juggling that you don't see. It yeah. seems maybe like they're not really doing anything, but they don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, for... For good owners, too, I'll say that. Like, there's, there's, yeah, I mean, just as every job, 
like specialty coffee doesn't operate in a vacuum. And so I think there's also uh, having empathy for your owners or your boss, but at the same time, they need to reciprocate that back. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that that's, that's definitely the, the line you walk. Um, and yeah, and there's some companies that, um, you know, ownership doesn't reciprocate it back. And it's pretty evident when a team is unhappy and stuff. So uh, find those ones that make you happy. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. I think I just have uh, one last question. Oh, okay. And um, I've been asking this to everyone uh, uh, to end the podcast. Um, as best you can, uh, kind of just a distilled answer. What is coffee to you? Oh. Hmm. Well, coffee to me is. I was gonna say something like it's my life. <laughs> it's my passion. You can't say and that. So, Sean said it. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Like mine's right. Um. Well, I think uh, coffee to me is. It is the thing uh, that unites us, and not even what I mean is, it is an agricultural product, and a, this beverage that I'm holding connects me to a family in Costa Rica. It connects me to an importer, to a roaster, to a craft barista, and the guest. And so like, I feel like it's, and that's not distilled at all, so I'm sorry, <laughs> but I feel like it's something that can connect us and it's a global thing so yeah, yeah. i think that's a that's a beautiful answer it's connecting people from all over the world mm-hmm all right well so. norma i really enjoyed getting to hear some of your backstory um you've got an extensive background in coffee um and that's really cool to hear uh really enjoy having you Thank and you. Uh, I feel like there's like a million more questions I can ask uh, regarding some of the stuff you did uh, with Thule and Starbucks, but maybe for another yeah. podcast or another <laughs> <Part> time. Two. <laughs> uh, but really enjoyed having you and uh, hearing your perspective on things. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Bye, y'all.